With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the fabulous one, Dave Oster. I don't know. We're going to try that on today. You know what? I, but I'm hey, tr- everybody. I'm trying new things. Like. There, you, you gotta have a nickname. We'll get Dave. something to stick, people. The fabulous one, the the voice changer, Dave Oster. <laughs> the tone change, the tone changer, Dave Please Oster. Please no, no, I, we don't need to do that. Um, I'm just trying to. I do that all on my own. The fabulous one is what I'm uh, trying to go with today. But welcome into the primetime podcast. It's a two man boat today, or two man ship today. Boat. Are, are ship you getting enough uh, Ricky and me action here? <laughs> you got us with the NBA predictions. People People were not happy that Dave said the Knicks were going to get nothing. I said some mean things about the Knicks. People were mad at me because I called the Raptors Kawhi and the budget team. But at the end of the day, we're two guys in a room talking basketball. Talking basketball. And today we are talking strictly, well, basketball and then something Mm, that kind of goes into both football and basketball. Um, We're talking about, obviously, LaMelo Ball because he was out there, said his basically his goals to obviously be the number one pick. We're going to talk about that. Then we have our way too early big board, Dave, because it would not be the next draft season unless we gave you our way too early big board. So we're going to do our top 10 for that. And then we're going to kind of close the podcast with a chill conversation about Big 12 commissioner came out and said that transfers should sit a year. So you and I are going to discuss should transfers sit a year or should they be allowed to play immediately after transferring before we get on into everything, make sure to uh, hit that link down below and check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Was that good enough, Dave? I didn't want to go smash that, smash crush that, that link. Like, yeah. Crush that link down below, bros, as uh, patreon.com. We love all of our patrons. One dollar gets you the MVP podcast a month early. It also gets you access to our Discord. You would have saw the way too early beforehand um, and would have thought that Dave and I we're tied for 11. Um, yeah. Soapy, we still love you, man. Um, <laughs> shout out to Soapy. Um, but, Dave, let's move on into this first topic, and it is LaMelo Ball. So he was on the jump a while ago to announce that he's basically going to take his talents to the NBL yep. in Australia and New Zealand. Um, as Jake told me, also one of our patrons, um, he's like, well, he didn't really have a choice. Um, after he, he did. declined going to college, he got money from a sneaker deal, which is a no-no um, for in the NCAA. college. So basically, fine, I'll go play internationally, which he can do. Like, he could have chosen a couple of leagues. The mm-hmm. NBL seems to be right now one of the best options for could him. Could have went to China. Could have went to China. Would be interesting. Could have um, went to Lithuania. His again. brother's reputation there mm-hmm. might be a little sketch. <laughs> might be a little sketch to go back. Mm-hmm. So I, I was going between: is he going to go play in a Euro League or is he going mm-hmm. to the NBL? The NBL seems like the best choice for him. Yeah. Um, and we've seen guys as recently as Terrence Ferguson come through the come through the NBL successfully. Mm-hmm. So. 
I'm super intrigued by he and RJ Hampton, who we also talked mm-hmm. about recently, both heading over there. The thing I will say, and this is before we talk about could he be the number one pick, because obviously he said that's his goal. Yeah. The thing I like about him choosing the NBL mm-hmm. is because now RJ and LaMelo, it basically, in my mind, I don't want to say gives them more cred, but it's one of those things where now when we're talking about draft, mm-hmm. it's not like one guy just sitting over there in the NBL. It's, hey, there's two of them over there, and they have gone head-to-head. Like, we can see what they're doing. So it's like by LaMelo going over there and RJ already being over there, they're kind of helping each other out by playing in the same league. That In my mind, that is. I don't know if you think the same thing, if it even matters that they're both in the same league. I think it. I think it's helpful because it kind of gives us a gauge. This mm-hmm. past year, uh, Brian Bowen uh, was over there, right? Yeah. And he, you know, he he was an okay kind of role player over there, which is mm-hmm. kind of below expectations for what we were hoping he would be after what we saw out of him in high school. And if he had been allowed to go to college, yeah. there were some issues around that. Um, I think he would have had a better draft. I think his draft experience would have been better. Mm-hmm. So by having two guys go over who are both great young players, Lamelo's already got the international experience because can't forget Lithuania. Yep, can't, uh, can't forget that. He, he did Lithuania, <laughs> then Spire, then mm-hmm. the Drew League. Yeah, uh, I think somewhere in there was uh, his dad's league, the Big Baller League. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he's played against a super wide variety of talent. So I, I think it's awesome. And he had a fucking growth spurt, yeah. which helped. He big. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. You you now have a benchmark because it's what's the expectation? Is he going to lead a team over there? Mm-hmm. Is he going to come off the bench, play a smaller role? What can he do? Because all we've seen out of him is this man who has no fear taking shots mm-hmm. from anywhere on that court. He will pull up. He will take the shot from 30 feet, 40 feet. It doesn't matter to him. He has the same confidence regardless of if it goes in or not. You know, mm-hmm. And that's it's going to be interesting to see how well he can develop around grown-ass men. You know, And that's one of the things of it kind of leads into could he be the number one pick. And not only that, the he's going to be around grown ass men compared to you like that college kids. There's just <laughs> some, there's just something else that I know this kind of is like a precursor yeah. into our big board. But when I was watching the different films for our big board and mm-hmm. there's a ton of guards, you've got Nico from Arizona. You've got Theo um, from France. France. You've got Cole Anthony. Basically. I know he's a two guard, but he's got point guards. guards. There's a no, shit no. ton of guards. I'm talking about uh, Anthony. I think it's Anthony Edwards, um, the Georgia um, recruit. He's basically a shooting guard, but he's got point guard tendencies um, from high school because obviously you're the best player. Yeah. You Anthony Edwards, Cole Anthony, mm-hmm. RJ Hampton. Yeah. Um, um, Nico Manon. Uh, let's see. Therese Maxey's a combo mm-hmm. guard. You got uh, Ao, who's sh- already in yeah. college. And the thing that separated LaMelo, in my mind, from all the rest mm-hmm. is one thing. Because all the guys, they can dunk. There were some that could shoot. But with LaMelo, it's he can shoot. He's got the dribble ability. I don't know if what you see in the Drew League of like him going between the legs is going to psych anyone out in the NBA. But to me, he's a guy, like, he's a guy who can shoot. He can drive. But more importantly... When he's driving, he's got some slick passes, it looked yeah. like. Like, he's got vision to find teammates, potentially. And that's a guy I want. Someone who's kind of like a triple threat, who can offensively shoot, drive, and kick. All in a 6'8 point guard body. Exactly. Like That's what I want. That growth spurt helped him out a ton, because he's just a unique package. Mm-hmm. I 
think there there's a lot to love about his game, but at the same time, there are some serious questions around um, him bulking up because he mm-hmm. did hit that growth spurt. He, growth spurt. He's long. He's lanky. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needs to put work on putting on some muscle, being able to play physically to some level. I know he'll never be like yoked out or anything, but you know it's one of those things where conditioning is going to help you work with the NBL. They've mm-hmm. got some great talent over there when it comes to that. So work with the training staffs, build up some muscle, be able to take a hit, be able to set screens, be able to come mm-hmm. off screens. And if you get, you know, shoulder off the edges, you have to be able to bounce off that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things is working through contact will be huge for him because he is one of those guys who he loves to drive into the lane. I mean, I know he kills on fast breaks, but like mm-hmm. his money is just shooting. And then if guys come out and take a stab at him, he pump fakes, he goes mm-hmm. and I want to be able to finish through contact. So I think this year for me is about show me that you can add some muscle and you can play against the these uh, fully developed guys out there who are in their 20s and, you know, early 30s. And where where do you fit in? Like, are you going to be a, a, a nice complimentary piece? Are you going to try to take over the team day one? Are they going to embrace you? Are they not? Mm. Like, I think a lot of it is going to, a lot of questions are going to be answered around his character as well in, mm-hmm. in a similar vein because, you know, his father's, persona yeah out there but we know Lamelo is not his father and same thing mm-hmm. with lonzo like lonzo is yeah. a quiet quiet guy Langelo, i don't know as well <laughs> like we don't see him enough but no like lonzo we know he's a quiet guy we mm-hmm. know as a teammate all of his teammates really like him he seems like a good kind of a locker room kind of guy but now kuzma don't like him because he's no longer his teammate that's fine <laughs> i'm just saying like everything around that like his dad has one persona mm-hmm. and that's what puts the media off from the family yeah or, or turns them on, whichever way. The dad's the hype man. But the actual guys seem like great guys, and that's mm-hmm. what you, you want to be a fan of them. So I think that when he goes over there, and I want to see his relationship to his mm-hmm. teammates over there. That That's a big prove-it moment for me. Which, by the way, I'm glad you brought up LeVar, because I'm going to say that. I've been thinking about this, but Dave, I'm going to say this on a podcast. If, I, if anyone wants sure. to share this with LeVar. LeVar, I know ESPN kicked you off. You're welcome to MVP anytime. Anytime you want a voice and opinion, you're welcome here on MVP. We'd love, love to have you. You, LaMelo, Lonzo, the whole ball family is welcome here at MVP. Um, but I like what you said about playing with like actual guys. And yeah. are they going – because that's a big thing. Are they going to well, – how would you put it? Like kind of accept you day one. and Embrace number, you, yeah. And number two yep. – do they even care? Like, the whole big baller stuff? The how, whole... how quickly is that going to die out? Is it going to be another Facebook reality do show? They, do they even care? Yeah. Do, do those teammates even care? Is, like, is the LeVar Ball train yep. just going to be a circus like, again? Is it just an American thing and, like, it's only big over here? Or are the, the teammates over— The o- Facebook Live, yeah. like, thing. But like, are the teammates over in the NBL yeah. actually going to be like, I don't know about this LaMelo kid because of the— Family he seems super love. easy to like. I'll say that from all the Ex- interviews I've seen. Dude, when he was the, on the jump, yep. I was like, I, I, I want him to be a bull already. And I he's want so him to be bouncy, too. Mm-hmm. For 6'8", like, he's wiry. Mm-hmm. And I just, there's a lot to like about him. So, talent-wise, like, what, what do you think it would take performance out of him to be a number one overall, like he's saying he wants oh. to? Which, if he didn't say he wanted mm-hmm. to be number one, I would be like, that's not the attitude I want out of a player. <laughs> like, he's a guy who can get you buckets. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing it for years. And I'm super excited about it. But performance-wise, are we talking like 
you know, what what kind of average is he going to have to put up over there? Is it is it an average? Is it just mm-hmm. you know a, a glowing review from his coach and his teammates over there? What's what's that gold star check mark that you're looking for? So as I the first thing I was going to do is let's base it off of what we saw from this past year's class. And the funny thing is, yeah. I went to go to Tankathon because I'm like, oh, I'll pull up Kobe White's. Mm-hmm. And Tankathon has already changed to 2020. Nice. It's a new calendar year. Nice, um, Tankathon. And they've got their big board up. Where do they have LaMelo? They've got LaMelo 11th. Yeah. Um, they have him listed at 6'6". 6'6", six, six. Six, yeah. six, 180. So like you said, that 180. Um, it's got to go up because he's somewhere between 6'7 and 6'8 now. And that's a good thing about playing in the NBL those even guys on the other team, they're going to be bulked up. They're yeah. going to be of size to where it's like, hey, if you're going to drive into the lane, you might get decked. And it's like, okay, I got to bulk up because yeah. I got to be able to take that. Kind of like what I'm thinking is Derek Rose into the lane. You get hit. You got to be able to bounce you up. You got to finish. And finish with the basketball because yep. that's going to be the big thing yeah. if you're driving. But if we look at the – because I'm thinking LaMelo is like a point guard. If yeah. we look at the point guards this year, and I know Darius Garland throw that aside because he only played four games. If you look at Kobe White, who was <laughs> the second point guard off the board, sure. in college this past year put up 16 points, four assists, three rebounds. And when it comes to LaMelo's game, though, I kind of want, like, 15 points wouldn't be bad, but there's a part of me that's like, this is a professional league, not a college league. So there's a part of me that's like, I kind of want more than 15 points. There's part of me that's like, maybe I want that 17 to 18, maybe 19 points per game. Mm-hmm. But the big thing I want to see from LaMelo is those assist numbers because I've seen that passing ability. I would love it if he had like, I'll dumb it down a bit. So I'll say like 18 points per game, about six to seven, maybe eight rebounds, or not rebounds, assists mm-hmm. per game. And then the rebounds are the big one. Were Are you happy with, like, um, Kobe Whitehead 3.5 because of LaMelo's size? Do you want to see maybe five boards a game I think that's from it. LaMelo? I absolutely think that he is – I want to see not as stupid, but he he's mm-hmm. a triple threat. Like, he can score, he can rebound, he can assist. So, yeah. like, I'm expecting, like – not jaw numbers, mm-hmm. but like you've better you better show me the fact that you can get I'm I'm thinking six plus boards and like five okay. plus assists. Okay. Like I wanna see, you know, if you could in the NBL so you're a little bit higher on the boards, lower on the assists. Yeah. Okay. I I'm curious well the pace of play is a little different mm-hmm. and I don't know opportunity wise what he's gonna be. So it's very True. hard to say like I think based he's on gonna his, have a gel period coming into that team. Yeah, I would have to assume so. I mean if he puts up fourteen, six and five Mm-hmm. That's not a bad line for the NBL. No. Um, I I would be pretty interested at that point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's on top of that, it's efficiency. Did his mm-hmm. shot get any better? Because his shot goes in, but the release point's not great. The form's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a shot doctor, but those two things are clear to everybody who sees him. Do you think that, and I almost say this hesitantly because like you look at a guy like Buddy Heald, and I know his took years in college to Wouldn't fix. Wouldn't award winner. Put some respect on it. Yeah, put that respect on it. Um, Yeah, he was a four-year college player. Yeah. And he fixed that shot basically shooting with the wrong hand um, in college. Do you think there's any benefit to, hey, being in the NBL compared to college where it might benefit his shot? Like he could – 
does it matter which where he is, college or professional overseas, that one's going to help him fix his shot better than the other? It depends if his entire like entourage, crew, training group is going with him, him, or if he's going to take you know different perspectives, different opinions mm-hmm. from guys who have been doing it for decades. You know, yeah. and that's that's the thing for me is you have to appreciate the level of coaching over there mm-hmm. and not throw it away. I know like Markel Fultz is like the golden child for like. Man, did he take some bad advice on his shot during the offseason? He well, he worked out heavily, mm-hmm. bulked up, and then the and shoulder it just injury. Like he was overthinking well, it after the injury. No, it was just it was an injury. Just no, can we say it's an injury. But like after you get an injury, yeah, you kind of have to. Things aren't like sometimes when you have an injury, you have to change what you did because you're not right. able to do it because of that injury. But he had the injury for the last two years is the mm-hmm. problem. Like, it's not like he overthought it. He was injured the entire time, mm-hmm. according to doctors. Yeah. So I don't want to get in the mental aspect mm-hmm. of that at all. I think it's just the fact he yoked up mm-hmm. because that was one of the things against Fultz coming out was he was so thin. Too small. He was, he was just thin. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. thing. You get worried about those young guards. And I think that, you know, it, it fucked with his shoulder, mm-hmm. which fucked with his shot. And, you know, I hope at some point this year we'll get to see him in the 2019 season really kind of become himself again. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's a guy who listened to a shooting coach, you know, a, a friend basically of his own. Yeah. Um, I think it was a family member, a friend. Mm-hmm. At this point, I've already pushed it out. But, you know, to, to change his shot up a little bit, to be, be, be a better, more consistent shot, and that really didn't help him at all. Mm-hmm. We saw him work out with the shot doctor himself, Drew Hanlon, and even that, I mean, the offseason tweets were fucking amazing. The guy who helped uh, Mo Bamba. He helped everyone who was a great shooter <laughs> in the NBA. And even he was, at the end, he's like, man, this kid's going to be great. And then, like, all of a sudden, there was, like, stuff started coming out. I was like, and he's disassociated himself with him. He's like, I'm not working with him anymore. Done. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it's not fixed. It's mm-hmm. so not fixed. Um, so, like, I think it's just, you got to have the right people around you. Mm-hmm. And if he's if he's just going to keep doing him. That's fine. It works for him. Yeah. I don't think you have to fix the world, but I think you do need to continue to tweak it. You can't fix overnight, but you mm. can make it better. That's my answer. And let's get to the crux of the question, though, because I know we talked about LaMelo. In your mind, could he be number one? Because there is right now a slew, to me, a slew of players. Like, yeah. is it going to be a guy like James Wiseman because the thing I was looking up and I thought about saving this for the big board but I'll say it now because it fits into this conversation. I mean we'll get to the big board next anyway. I was looking at um, 247 Sports yep. and their basketball rankings and I went back to 2010 and you and I you were like I wonder how far it goes Yeah, and eerily it went farther back their coincidence of mm-hmm. if you looked at their rankings there were some years like the Ben Simmons year the Anthony Davis year. When those once-in-a-generation prospects mm-hmm. are there, and they're yeah. there since, you know, they were like the 12. Andrew Wiggins year. Exactly. Where those like, are the guys who are on the map already. Mm-hmm. Like, this player was number one coming out of high school. Soon to be Bronny. He then became the number one pick in the draft. Yep. And there were other ones, like John Wall and Kyrie were two years where it was the number two recruit was mm-hmm. the number one. But the thing I noticed the most... Yeah. Is whoever 247 had it either four or five and one year six, the mm-hmm. Anthony Bennett year, Anthony Bennett Which, was six. Even Anthony Bennett didn't know he'd be number one overall. Exactly. But most of the time it's yep. five or six, like Zion, fifth. Mm-hmm. RJ Barrett was one. Um, Cam Reddish was two coming out. Yep. Um, but the thing is, if you look at them, the fifth or fourth are usually the number one pick. 
That means James Wiseman, most likely not going to be the number one pick. According to them, it would either be R.J. Hampton or Cole Anthony Yeah, um, would be the number one pick. But it's like, yeah, Cole Anthony, you got R.J., you got LaMelo, you've got um, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman. I know it's way too early to even look at this for like an exact who will. Yep. But when you look at these guys, what kind of goes through your mindset with the who could be the number one pick when we get to June 2020? I think it's a year from right now. Dave. I know. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> we get a full year with this group of prospects. I I wouldn't put my money on LaMelo being number one. Mm-hmm. It's so hard for a player who is not playing under the spotlight of the NCAA to get that number one overall pick. I mean, we saw the most gifted prospect. I'm, I'm sorry, not most gifted. Most uh, polished prospect mm-hmm. in Luka Doncic last year go three. Mm-hmm. This was a player who had been just dominating European basketball DeAndre for years. Five. DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton was five, by the way. Oh, okay. Just I was that like, out there. that has what to do with Luka Doncic? No, he was he was the Doncic. fifth in the ranking. So, Great. of course, he was number one. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thanks. You're about a minute and a half behind on that conversation. Yeah. Um, but you have the most polished player, mm-hmm. someone who's a, accomplished in European basketball for years, mm-hmm. and he didn't even go number one overall. Yeah. So I think it's just it's a it's a huge hump to overcome, uh, not being under the NCAA spotlight. There's just something special about college basketball in America. On top of that, you hit March Madness. The lights are on. You the get hype so levels. much more hype. You get so much more attention. And the accessibility, mm-hmm. being able to send your scout, like NBA scouts, are that's their job is they go watch college kids play. But at the same time, having to go to Australia or New Zealand to watch someone play, you're going to have less opportunities. You're, you're not going to have the same level of access to this guy to be around him, to be around his teammates, to be around his coach, to constantly be asking questions. It's just harder to accurately gauge their uh, their ability level and, you know, their potential. So. With LaMelo, it's a little different because we've had that open access for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. But I still believe that it's just too much. Uh, it's too too far removed from the spotlight. I don't, I don't think he'll go one. I think he could go top five, but I don't think he can go one. And that's the it thing. It would take, I mean, if he took over the NBL mm-hmm. and is dropping 28 and seven, then like, shit, son. Like, I think the thing that know. could, the one thing that could help him is I throw back the RJ thing, him being over there. Yeah. Because the biggest thing that could help both of them is if both of them have a rivalry in the NBL, where basically it's kind of mano y mano. I'm not saying like they have to hate each other, but like when these two play and when they're kind of playing, it's kind of like make us, give us a reason to stat watch. Give us a reason to see when they go head to head, like make it a marquee matchup in the NBL. Like if they do that, LaMelo will help RJ, RJ will help LaMelo, and they could kind of rise, raise each other's stocks together. But you are right. Once March Madness hits, like there are some cases, Ben Simmons, he didn't need March Madness to be number one. Um, He was the number one prospect um, in that draft. But there are times we see guys rise up because of March Madness. I mean, look at Jarrett Culver. I mean, Texas Tech makes that run, 
if they don't make that run, does he rise to the rumors we had before the draft where it was like teams four. are going to trade up to three or trade up to four um, to get him? I know he ended up going, what, five? No. He went six. Yeah, he went six because the, the Cavs took uh, Garland at five. Correct. Um, but, I mean, how much is his rise if they don't have um, that great tournament performance? Had he actually, you know, not really underperformed in the last two games of that tournament? Mm-hmm. He likely would have gone for, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I just don't. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way to like uh, quantify the what March Madness can do for a prospect. I mean, I mean Dante even, Divincenzo. Divincenzo. I mean, you even throw out. I'll throw out who the Warriors drafted this year in the first round that Sean didn't like, Jordan Poole. Yeah. But if you look at him in March when the lights were on, he had some pretty good shots. He like also he was a workout winner. warrior yeah, at the uh, combine. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he got workout warrior. He's hit shots under pressure yep. in the biggest of stages. I'm, on I'm thinking March of Jordan Bone. I take that back. Um, but it's like this that tournament. All the eyes in the United States kind of turn yeah. to that tournament. And also, there's kind of this eight ball also, and RJ kind of falls into this too. The last non college player to be taken number one. Andrea Bargnani in 2006. That was and the how last. How did that work out? Well, the next guy after him was Lamarcus Aldridge. That uh, that's Bulls drafted, traded, and then to traded Portland. Thank you, uh, thank you, Portland. Who did we get in that one? Oh, that's right, Tyrese Thomas. Um, also, number six in that draft is uh, so off topic, right? Quick, Jake, um, our patron, put on Twitter. He retweeted a. Show a gif of one player that you wish could come back 100 mm-hmm. percent healthy and see what their career would be like. Brandon Roy was one of the guys I thought of. Yeah, of uh, if his career was totally healthy, what would it look like? But they are RJ and Lamelo are going to have that eight ball behind them. I just for me, I know one thing for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think Wiseman is going to go number one. Not no. that he's going to be bad. I just I will put my money. We'll I will talk about that more. In our big board segment. Yes. I would just put my money on one of the guards. I would hedge my bets on one of the guards rather than Wiseman going number one. But LaMelo, I'll go 40% chance he's the number one pick. That's pretty high. And that's pretty high for most people. But I think that he's something special. And if he plays well, it's not going to matter where he plays. Like, talent is going to shine out um, over the rest. But this is where you guys come in. Let's know what you guys think down below in that comment section. What do you think of LeVar? Not LeVar. LaMelo Ball um, going to the NBL. What does he need to show? What do you see from him already? Could he be the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft? And, Dave, let's move into that big board that uh, you mentioned just a little bit of go in our LaMelo Ball segment. If you're on YouTube and you didn't see it, make sure to go check out our LaMelo Ball segment. We talked about could he be the number one pick? in the 2020 NBA draft, but we are going to give our way too early big board for the 2020 NBA draft. This is only a top 10. We're not going to go full 25 deep um, big board on this one, but got to leave you wanting something. Yeah. We're going to give top 10. Um, Dave will give his, I'll give mine. We'll kind of talk about the um, prospects in general. Um, If you have any thoughts, obviously leave them down below in the, um, comment section. Also, follow us on twitch.tv backslash most of all podcasts because, Dave, if they have Amazon Prime, what can they do now? They, they can push the Amazon Prime sub. They can sub to 
Mosville podcast on Twitch. It's like I've been I've been using the Kurt Schilling Why Not Us, where yeah. it's like Amazon gives you that free money. Yeah. Why not us? Why not us? Why not give it to us? Because so, we'll be going live for the NBA free, free agency. agency. That's right. That's right. For, forgot to pitch that. It's a great pitch. We'll be going live. I'm assuming like 4.30. Yeah, about, we'll, we'll try to aim about a half an hour beforehand. Yeah. Give you guys some time to fill up the mm-hmm. room. We'll, we'll, we'll rumor mill around because by then I hope there'll be some signs. stuff locked in already. And then we'll get the, like the breaking news, you know, five minutes mm-hmm. after that something's actually been penned. I hope someone big signs right after the deadline. Yeah, I, I, I hope, hope it's not like one of those years where it was like, all right, great. We waited two weeks for this signing. It's going to be brutal. Like that's what's going to be like Kawhi or something. But that's not why they're here. Yep. They're here for the draft. Let's kick it off to you. Go 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Give us your top 10 for the way too early 2020 NBA Big Board. All right. At number 10, I've got the small forward, power forward combo. I mean, he might be one or the other. I'm not really 100% locked in a position. But Precious, coming into Memphis, that team's going to be fucking stacked. Um I love the team. He's got great size, great length. We'll get more in depth on him, I'm sure, later. Mm-hmm. Uh, at number nine, Isaiah Stewart, uh, the center forward combo f- going to Washington. At number seven, Khalil Whitney, forward going to Kentucky. At number six, wait, am I already counting number wrong? Number eight, Khalil I'm Whitney. I'm already counting wrong. <laughs> I apologize, people. It is behind. It's past my bedtime. <laughs> Ten is Precious. Mm-hmm. Nine is Isaiah. Eight is Khalil. Number seven is RJ Hampton, who we mm-hmm. just spoke about briefly in the last segment. Number six is Jaden McDaniels going to Washington. Number five is Theo Maladon playing for, out of France. Number four is LaMelo Ball playing internationally out of the NBL. Number three, James Wiseman, center out of Memphis. Number two is Anthony Edwards, the guard going to Georgia. And at number one, I've got Cole Anthony playing out of UNC. Well, and then going right into mine, you know what I just noticed too while you were reading yours? What's that? There was one name on mine that we're like, oh, we're going to look up how to say it before. Didn't look it up, did we? We did not. So I'm not going to say his last name because I'm not going to screw it up. It's all right. Um, Basically, at number 10, I got Nico Manning, um, guard out of Arizona. Then at number nine, the name I said I was going to look up, I'm just going to say Denis, the guard forward out of Israel. Um, uh, he's playing for Tel Aviv. Yep, um, Tel Aviv. Then at number eight, Isaiah Stewart, the forward center out of Washington. Then at number seven, Theo Maladon, the guard from overseas, playing in France. Then at number six, Au Desumu, Jet Life, the guard from Illinois, fighting Illini, giving some respect to him. Then at number five, James Wiseman, the center from the Memphis Tigres. Then at four, Anthony Edwards, guard from the Georgia Bulldogs. Number three, Cole Anthony, guard from UNC. Number two, RJ Hampton, guard from NBL Australia. And then number one, LaMelo Ball, guard from NBL Australia. And this is the thing. Yep. I know in the last segment, I said 40% chance he goes number one. But that's the thing, Dave. If this was a big board, he wouldn't. Be, this was a mock draft. He wouldn't be number one. But this is a big board. And you think he's the most talented player At, right now? From what I've seen, yep. I would take him number one. Okay. And the reason why is what I said in the last one is watching all like because it's a guard heavy draft. It really is. Um, and what I saw from all the guards, yep. and mainly from him, is the one thing that set him apart is that passing ability. Where 
All of them seem like they can get to the rock. The one thing I really liked with Cole Anthony was his shot from beyond the arc. But the one thing that LaMelo had that the rest of them didn't really, mm-hmm. like they have, but they didn't have it as slick as um, LaMelo. LaMelo was that passing ability, yeah. which I really like that three-tool player. No, I mean, he has a gift. I mean, it, mm-hmm. y- you want to be lazy and just be like, well, he's a ball. Look what Lonzo can do. Of course <laughs> he can pass well. Of, brand. of course he can pass well. He's Lonzo's brother. He, he had two brothers. He had to pass the ball. Exactly. That's how. That's the youngest <laughs> brother game, you know? You don't get the flashy plays. Sharing is caring, Dave. There you go. Um, but no, he really mm-hmm. has worked on his ability to pass the ball. He's creative. He mm-hmm. has some really flashy passing abilities. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like young Steph Curry when it comes to passing the ball. Like, you get the shit where it's just like, you know he shouldn't have gotten away with that, but it totally worked because yeah. the level of competition's not as good as him. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see that at the NBL level and see, you know, if he if he tightens the gears a little bit, uh, you mm-hmm. know, maybe brings the ball handling down a, a, a smidge to under control uh, because he does get a little loose with that. And I just, I, I'd love to see him be a little more careful with the ball, period. Mm-hmm. So... Number one is a little high for me. I was going to ask you, why do you have Cole Anthony at number one? Because we have different number ones. The guy's a stud. (laughs) Like, he's a bucket getter straight up. Um, Is it Cole G. Anthony? The G stands for gets? The only thing, maybe. (laughs) The only thing that I hesitate here is because UNC. Mm -hmm. Like... That's my big question mark. Is playing you for put your soul in the box? That's it's only the Spurs. The college version. It just <laughs> UNC seems to find a way to. You in the last system. couple of years, you, you you are a system player. Mm-hmm. It's not you know been known to translate the best talent to the NBA. Mm-hmm. A lot of people play much better they at college at UNC than they do at the NBA level. Yeah. So that was a concern for me. But Cole Anthony, I've just been watching mm-hmm. so much of his tape, and he's just explosive. He's athletic. He's got good enough size. I just see him translating to the next level so well, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to absolutely kill it for Roy. And even with that, like, question marks of system fit, which I think is so critical, I still think he's just going to be an absolute star. Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest thing that I liked from watching his tape, and I even have it going on my tablet mm-hmm. um, while we're talking about him, is his shot. Yeah. And the thing I'm going to throw out there, because like you said, Neither of us are shot doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that I look at is with his shot, when he he has that flick of the wrist and he kind of leaves it like this. And part of me looking at it, I'm like, is that good? Like, is that good form? Is that like, should I be looking at it going, man, that's a janky shot? But I mean, it goes in. And the thing that this draft showed us, and I wonder if we'll see it next year is can you shoot the ball? Because if you can shoot the ball, you're going to be higher on people's draft boards than Absolutely. if you can't the value shoot the ball. So I mean, there's demand. a reason Cam Johnson went 11, which was way too high for most of us, but he could shoot the ball. Like, And that's the thing. Like, Same reason why the Warriors went with Jordan Poole. He can shoot the ball. <laughs> you just yeah. burp into that one? Well, it, no, gets, it, what happens is when I talk, you. it just sneaks up. Mm-hmm. It's while I'm talking, it just sneaks right up. It's got a mind of its own sometimes, Dave. Yep. Um, and that's why for me on mine, I kind of had, I almost put him second, but watching RJ Hampton's film, yeah. this kid, like this kid is just like his driving ability won me over. And I know yeah. that I just said the league was shooter, shooter, shooters this year. That's what I'm saying. But I'm sorry. Like I watched, 
when I watched it, it's like his like smoothness to get mm-hmm. in. He gives it like one strong step. Yeah. And it's like boom, boom, and he's at the rim. And it's like, oh, and it's like same thing with LaMelo. How is he going to do? Against grown ass men um, in New Zealand. You really like that phrase that I dropped out we're gonna, there. We're going to keep it. Grown like ass it. men. Yep. Um, in Australia and in those grown ass Aussies, we should say, um, in New Zealand and Australia. But it's like the one thing is Cole Anthony, I saw a little bit more shooting. Yep. RJ Hampton, I saw more of driving. The big thing, though, and both you're higher on them than me. Mm-hmm. Is what I kind of teased out at the end of the Lamelo segment of James Wiseman, and yeah. the thing that I just look at is what with him because I've got four guards ahead of him. You've got two guards ahead yep. of him. I just think these guards, RJ, Lamelo, um, Cole, Anthony, they are going to separate themselves to where I almost feel like, and I don't know if this is me basing off of what we just saw. Mm-hmm. If Wiseman is going to be the number one pick, he either has to do what Zion did or what DeAndre Ayton did. It's hard to be a flashy center. Mm-hmm. I, I can just say that. I mean, like when you're a guard, you have the ball in your hands, you have control, you can finish with style, you can mm-hmm. you can pass with style, you can score, you can have attitude out there. You 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 are just have so much more opportunity when you're a center. You're reliant on the rest of your team to yeah. you know dish you the ball, let you work in space, mm-hmm. make sure the system's right for you. Are they going to be asking you to be a floor spacing center? Mm-hmm. Like Wiseman has a good mid range shot to him. Everything looks like you know he, he should be offensively solid. He's more than just a rim runner. Mm-hmm. Um, Is he going to be able to shoot the three? Because I know in the high school I, tape he's I, shooting threes, but that high school three is not. Yeah, as it's far not quite as, there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we may see him take one or two. The same way that like DeAndre Ayton took a couple in college, mm-hmm. and that's going to be fine. I, I'm not. I don't think he's going to be. You know. Out there dropping Lowry numbers from the outside, you know his early his early season mm-hmm. before they forced him to play inside for no fucking reason. Don't get and me started on that. Dave started to hate uh... when you <laughs> not not tonight's rant, ladies and gentlemen. Not tonight's rant. Um, but no, Wiseman. I mean, he's a seven footer with good athleticism, mm-hmm. really good athleticism, solid footwork. Um, really, just comes down to DeAndre Ayton took point one threes per game. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about right. How many did he make, Dave? Zero. Yep, that's what it says. It oh. says zero. Oh no, that's in the NBA. Yeah, I was I gonna say. The college. No, like, in college he definitely like, took threes. I'm like that seems because everyone was like, that's why didn't he take threes in the NBA? You're on the Suns. It's not like it matters. That's the NBA. <laughs> I gotta pull up the college stats. I'll do that. God. go ahead. So yeah, I, I think Wiseman just for the fact that he's a seven footer. Um, I've heard like somebody comment saying like he's a better version of Jackson Hayes. I was like, I don't really see that straight up comparison. Um, but no, I just think he he's a physically built. Mm-hmm. NBA ready player and had the rule been in place where you can go from high school to the NBA, he, he would have been have. there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I like him. I think that he's still got a lot of room to grow uh, defensively from mm-hmm. uh, an awareness standpoint. He's a decent shot blocker. I think he can get better at it. I think his mm-hmm. positioning can improve defensively. He makes up for it because he has good uh, length on him and he's pretty quick moving. But if he can just work on his timing, work on his uh, positioning, he, he has a chance to be really something special. And the thing I will throw out there, first off, DeAndre Ayton averaged one three a game? per game Which in is pretty college, good. and he hit 34% of them. Yeah, that's um, exactly that, that could absolutely I, be worth it. I knew it, it seemed right, because I'm like, I don't remember 
remember watching college film where he shot threes. That's yeah. weird that he didn't that he didn't average a no, lot. I mean, just enough to make them come out and guard you on the perimeter, mm-hmm. and you can drive. And I wonder the fact too that like the thing that I think about when it comes to Wiseman also is yeah. almost like the I'm thinking the Zion RJ Cam effect of like I know it's not the. They were different. It was they one, so two, and heavy. five. Yeah. Um, this one is basically, and I, I use two, four, seven. That's the site I really mm-hmm. like for rankings. You got Wiseman at one. Then if I scroll down, Precious you got Precious at 14. At 14 yep. And then I think they had one more recruit. Boogie. Um, yeah, Boogie, who's at 37. Yep. Um, it's a little disrespectful, but... And they have uh, DJ Jeffries, who is 48. I wonder with this team, if they make a run, they and they are loaded. a good team... And they have the same kind of hype around them that like a Duke had and this Lester year. Fifty six. Is this is that hype going to help a Wiseman out to where like if they go on a run, dude? This could be a five first round pick again. Basically, like five Kentucky. players. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it. I I think it could be Kentucky all over again. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome because Penny Hardaway, dude, you you the real MVP. Like you came back to your home, you. Worked with the young kids. Mm-hmm. You built up that reputation. Well, well, first first you work with them as kids. Yeah. Then you build that reputation. Mm-hmm. You bring in a professional level staff to college in Memphis. And you get that attitude. You compete with big schools. You bring in Memphis back to something. And then you turn around and you're like, hey, James, I know I just coached you. Come on over. Like, that's awesome. And then mm-hmm. they basically strung around all these pieces around him who are top uh, talent from high school. The it's 180 awesome. that Dave has played with the uh, city of Memphis. I'm just, I, I turn heel, I turn face. I turn heel, I turn face. That's what I do here. Uh, just call you the Miz, I love right? Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm. Since since I was like six years old, I've loved Penny yeah. Hardaway. So like you can't take that away from He's me. He's another one I said to uh, Jake. Yeah. If he never got injured in 97, the what, ifs. what would that have been like? The what ifs. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm interested to see if their team, I, I legitimately of how think good they, can. they could be, yep. Is that just going to boost Wiseman up to number, like, if de facto number one? Because here's the one thing I hope for this draft class, this yeah. is kind of a general thought, mm-hmm. is I love Zion. Yep. I loved him all last year. He made the draft boring. I think that's the reason why, towards the end, you were complaining about this draft class. because We didn't even talk about Zion. for Like, we didn't want to talk about Zion. No, I would gladly have talked about, but Zion. there's nothing new to say. And the thing, and that's the thing where we knew Zion was going to be number one. Whereas the year before, well, is it DeAndre? Is it Luca? Hey, is it Trey? Shut up, Ricky. Um, basically, that was the You're debate right. um, with it. Is it Marvin Bagley? Like, no one wanted Marvin Bagley number one. <laughs> there was a debate at I'm least sorry. for number one, mostly yep. DeAndre and Luca, where. I want this year's draft to be that same thing. I, I wanna, think there's five guys I have easily. The discussion of who's going to be number one. Yeah, like that's what makes it boring is when you have who's number one and then who's fighting. Because yeah. then it, Ja locked in at number two. He didn't lock into two until later in the year, though. Like it was the tourney performance that really set him there. Yeah, but even like at from March, I had to, him. Yeah, but from like March to June, yeah. when you know the first three picks, it's like. Yeah. It really, like, for us, it really kills what you could talk about. Because it's like, well, well, we know the first three picks. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the, that draft class was fairly weak. Yeah. This draft class looks... Looks like it's loaded. Uber top-heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's much deeper at the top, which mm-hmm. is fantastic for us. So I'm excited. I think Wiseman could even have, like, a cat 
like college performance mm-hmm. and still go pretty high. Like his numbers might not be like absolutely jaw dropping amazing, yeah. but it's like this dude's got it all. Like mm-hmm. they like you don't even need to see the the like twenty five or twenty mm-hmm. like twenty plus a night like Zion had. He had twenty one mm-hmm. right in college. Zion was like a twenty one point score, twenty two. Right, I feel up. like he was up there. I'm making you be all the stats man on the tablet. Sorry. I'm fine with being that. Um, The one guy that I want to throw your way, because with me, his film intrigued me. Sure. In mock drafts, I'm seeing, before the Kobe White pick, I had, I've seen way too early have him mocked to the Bulls, which I was like, "Eh, I don't know, but that's my international bias um, against me, because you're more the international guy than I am. Yeah, Zion was 22.6. Yeah, I mean. um, In college. I don't think that. I don't think James needs to put that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can have closer to what Cat did and still be a top pick. The guy I wanted to kind of target is Theo yeah. from France. Theo to Maladon. me, yep. he is a guy where, first off, at first I was like, I watched his 17-year-old um, film, mm-hmm. and then I was like, wait, is he going to be one of those like really young Sekou-like players? He's not. He's 18 right now. He'll he be just turned 19. 18 two weeks ago. Yeah, he'll be 19 Basically fresh off of 19 um, right before the draft because his birthday is the 12th. Draft will be around the 20th, um, so it'll be freshly 19 at the draft. To me, he's an interesting one because I feel like like he doesn't score a lot overseas, but the thing that he does well is shoot the ball. And I could see a team going, well, he doesn't take a lot of threes per game, but if you're hitting him at a 40% clip, we we can teach you how to basically increase that volume to where you're shooting more than two a game to where I look at what he brings and I go, there's going to be a team that falls in love with him and maybe chooses him at like five, six, seven compared to going with a college kid like a Nico from Arizona. Yeah, I mean there's there's a lot to like about him, and I don't think that the frustration of teams seeing like Frank mm-hmm. come by and, you know, he was drafted on his defense and his uh, potential to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, look, he's so young, he's so raw, but he can play NBA-level defense already. And it seems like teams gave up on that quickly. And it's just, it's hard to put out a pure defender mm-hmm. who hasn't got an NBA level of offense, like, at all. And, you know, he's worked on it, but it's still not quite where people want it to be. And that's fair. Like, he he's a talent who is drafted on potential. I think uh I think Maladon's gonna have more of what you want to see day one offensively. He's gifted. Uh shoots forty nine percent from the field, forty percent from three, eighty six, almost eighty seven. He's had some good line. performances at uh tournaments. He's had good performances in the early like there's a lot to like about him. He's not the most accomplished player, but mm-hmm. I think he's gonna be good talent. I think he's gonna be taken fairly highly because he has good size. So it I'm still saying it's early, but I'm putting him there because that is pretty much what everybody is seeing the same exact thing out of him mm-hmm. is he's got potential to be able to come in day one and play for you, and it's not going to be a letdown. It's not going to be what we saw out of Frank where he had that struggle mm-hmm. on one half of the court. He's going to be able to come in and hold his own defensively, yeah. but give you that offensive power that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But who's a guy that you're kind of like, you know what, we haven't mentioned him, I want to give him some love. How 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 don't you have Jaden McDaniels? For me it's just one of those <laughs> things where I only had 10 slots. Yep. And I mean, I looked at my board too. Yeah. And there was I had oh, who did I have? I had another international player um on my board 
that I just I took them all. Oh, I had uh, Killian Hayes mm-hmm. on my board at ten, and then I took them off because I'm like I had to put Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. Um, in the board, there's just there's only ten slots. And I get you, but Jaden McDaniel's is a six ten and a half, mm-hmm. six eleven maybe kid who has ball handling skills, mm-hmm. who can score and transition like a mother. Like mm-hmm. he is athletically gifted. He's re- is he related yeah, to he's the McDaniel's? Brother. He's a little brother. Okay. He's a little brother. Um, and you know his dad's a coach, so he's mm-hmm. got that ability to. He understands basketball really well. Yeah, let me put it that way. Um, and he's playing on Washington. And like you said, he is playing with Isaiah Stewart, so they've got a one-two punch mm-hmm. at the top, which will be really interesting because a lot of people are rating Isaiah Stewart higher than him. Yeah, I know two four seven is one of them, mm-hmm. um, but he's got great size, he's got good shooting ability, and he's got great ball handling ability. Like that's a package that I'm sorry, I know we're swinging for the fences here, but that's exactly what you want at the top of a draft is someone with his potential. So mm-hmm. right now, I'm putting that in. I, I feel very confident about him being a top 10 player this year. I I really don't see a whole lot of drawback to him mm-hmm. because there's the only thing he needs to do is physically start to add muscle. Mm-hmm. And that that's going to be the next three years of his life. Like that's not yeah. something that's going to be overnight in college. He just needs to continue building his body, but I have no problem seeing him do that. Like, I don't think he's going to have the BI level of struggle where BI has not been able to physically get where he needs to be mm-hmm. um he's bi's had some other issues as far as uh smaller and in, well smaller injuries uh they've come up and i think team wise he wasn't maybe set to succeed mm-hmm. uh i think Jaden mcdaniels is gonna absolutely have the ball in his hands and be able to dominate the college level yeah he was one i just a only 10 spots b i was like you know what he's one where let me see how he plays with stewart at Washington, because um, okay. I like Stewart a little bit better right now, which the one thing I'm confused, Tangathon has Stewart at 17, mm-hmm. where I'm like, wow, that's kind of uh, really low. The one guy that I, last guy I want to mention is, I fell in love with him before the 2019 draft. Yeah, um, And he's lower on my board, he's 10, is Nico, yeah. um, going to Arizona. Who bouncy guy? I basically, the first time I watched his film... I was like, I want the Bulls to draft him. I want him in a Bulls uniform. I don't know. Just white point guards. I think it's Archie Diacono that like, felt, made no, me fall in Cap- love with that. Captain Kirk. Well, we got Captain We grew Kirk. up on Captain Kirk. We got Archie Diacono. Um, well, Archie Diacono now, which Bulls fans. Ryan getting, Archie Diacono. Getting, Put some respect on his whole name. Getting mad people at think Sean. his first name is Archie. <laughs> Archie, Archie Diacono. Could you imagine if his name was Archie, Archie Diacono? No, if his name was just Archie, first name, and Diacono, last name. Like, oh, that's what people think. That's right. So Ryan Archie Diacono. Yeah. Villanova. Yeah. Um, Villanova. Villanova. Hova. Hova. Um, but Bulls fans getting mad at Sean for saying that Archie Diacono sucked. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, Dave's one that you, we got to get you that city jersey, man. Uh, custom I go city for the custom jersey city jersey for him. Archie, Archie Diacono. But like back. Walt Lemon Jr. also. Whatever. Well, the back would just say poo. Poo. That's what the back would say. But like, yeah, this Nico, he can you drive, like he can shoot. The only thing I wonder is this year, is he going to get covered by, like, masked by all these guards? He's, he's not a big guy. Arizona's mm-hmm. got a lot of talent this year, it looks like. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how good he's mm-hmm. going to be. A lot of people are, like, tossing out the Matt McClung shit against him, which I think is a little lazy. Um, mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I think he's, I think right now he could deserve to be a top 10 player. 
I didn't have him on mine. I was going for a lot of guys with a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. Like Precious is one where he's 6'9 with a 7'2 yeah. wingspan. Like he's got all the physical attributes to be an, uh, a top end player at the NBA level. Also got Whitney from Kentucky. Whitney, yeah. That. Or Whitney. Yeah, I say. I, I Not say Whitney. Whitney. I was like, like Jeff it's Whitney. You got me. I was confused. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Whitney. Yeah, Khalil I'm Whitney. On, I'm going on that Jeff Whitney from yeah. Kansas. Khalil Whitney, um, he was a kid, grew up in Chicago, mm-hmm. tra- moved out basically to go get uh, some real level of high school basketball. Sorry, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's Simeon and the rest. But he's like 6'7", 200 pounds. He's got good size, good mm-hmm. speed. Uh, offensively, he looks really good. And I think that he's someone who at Kentucky can carry that offensive load. Super excited about that. But, I mean, it's kind of fun because we've got a couple guys from Memphis. We've got mm-hmm. a couple guys at Washington. You know, we've got we one. Got these guys pairing up. I, I think that's the new thing, man, and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I love it. I just wonder if, you know, one of the guys who, I guess last year we had a couple of guys who paired up, mm-hmm. not not quite this high, but Quentin Grimes and yep. Dotson mm-hmm. paired up, and both of them Are underperformed, and they're back in college. Grimes looks like he's going to be, he's in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. He hasn't decided as we record this today. I think you guys did a topic about him mm-hmm. last week. Yeah, he's deciding between Houston and Texas A&M. Yeah, and that'll be exciting. And Dotson is returning to uh, Kansas, I'm fairly sure, right? So one more face? time. Dotson is returning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I misread this article. It's a month old. But I re- saw the word withdraw, and I was like, he withdrew his name from the transfer portal? Oh. And No, he withdrew from the draft. draft yeah. Um, so which like, I was like, why is that the top thing on? So pairing up's not always the best option, mm-hmm. but I think that was more fit of style versus, yeah. uh, you know, not just not working out together. Mm-hmm. So I, I have high hopes for Grimes still. I know gave, gave me a hopes. shout out. Dave's got high hopes. But yeah, I think that that pretty much wraps it. Like there were a couple guys who were just mm-hmm. outside of my top ten. Uh, Boogie Ellis is yeah. one who you wanted to put him in. Just I want to put him in over Precious, respect. but Precious just he's got the body for an NBA, just an mm-hmm. absolute monster. Uh, Boogie's undersized; he's six three, like Cole Anthony is. Um, but Cole has such a great offensive game. Obviously, that's yeah. why I've got him one. Boogie's got a lot of room to grow, mm-hmm. and sometimes he can be a greedy ball handler. Uh, so I want to see him work with that team at Memphis. Like that's that's one of the things you talked about sharing the ball. Is that gonna be mm-hmm. a problem or a benefit to James Wiseman? Yeah. I think Boogie is gonna be that kind of like we're gonna see is he's a he's a combo guard mm-hmm. out there. Can he share? Will that ball move? Or yeah. are we gonna see some issues where it's like he's gonna run the second unit really well mm-hmm. and be that scoring punch for them. The last so. thing I want to mention and this is doesn't need a huge discussion. I just want to throw it out there. Sure. Um when we get to a year from now, yeah, we will be looking at Tyus Jones going, man, you should have came out in 2019, man. And the reason why I say that is... Tyus I, Jones? Yes. From Duke? Yeah, yeah, but like why? Because what I think is going to happen is he is going to go lower. We're going to have a Daniel Gafford situation. Okay. Of He's going to go lower than he would have in 2019 because there's going to be more. There's going to be more point guards. There's going to be more guards in this draft to where it was like, wow, you could have went to the Celtics at, what, 20, and there's a possibility. I could see him falling just because it's like there's a – like the supply is more, so the demand might be a yeah, little less. I agree. So, I mean, he is getting two great uh, mm-hmm. front, court guy, front court guys in Vernon Carey and Matthew Hart. Yeah. So he gets a top mm-hmm. 10 center. Yeah. Or a top 10 rated mm-hmm. center from this 247 starts mock. 
I'm sorry, big board. I'm yeah. really, I, I'm, I'm just done with mock season, man. Mm-hmm. I gotta, gotta put mock season <laughs> behind me for a couple months. Yeah, mocks, big boards. It's big board time. We're on the mm-hmm. PTP. Dave yeah. speaks big boards. But I mean, that's just one thing where I have a gut feeling that it's going to be a Gafford situation of, you know what? There's just more people to compare you to. Where yep. last year there was a di- like there was a divide where he wasn't in the Carson Edwards. And the um, Tremont Waters discussion, he was towards the he was like him. the top. Where we he was were, closer to Ty Jerome, basically. Yeah, where it was. He, he was, was a young in Ty my Jerome, mind, he was above <laughs> yeah. um, Ty Jerome. In Adam many right big behind boards. him. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think. Obviously, down below, what are your big boards? What are you thinking about these prospects? Because this Dave marks the official start yeah. of our 2020 NBA basketball coverage. 2019-2020 season. Yeah, but the 2020 draft is the first one, the first video we get God. for the 2020 NBA draft. So this like starts, an old man. This starts the beginning of it, Dave. The road starts now to the 2020 NBA draft. Let us know what you guys think down below. And Dave, let's close out the podcast with a little bit of a chiller conversation. And before we get into it, make sure to rate and review the Primetime Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Um, every five-star rating means the world to us, helps us get into the ears of more people. And Dave, we're talking about transfers and transferring in all of college sports. And the reason why we're talking about this is because Big 12 commissioner, this is about a couple weeks old now, um, but I think it's still kind of... Oh, it's totally relevant right now because the transfer portal is still open. Mm -hmm. Where I'm looking up the exact name. Big 12 commissioner Bob Bowlesby said on June, around June 11th, basically that... Transfer should sit out one year where um, it's a lengthy quote, but I'll read most of it. He goes, there's a fundamental mistake in all this that we ought to seek to fix. Uh-huh. Um, Bowlesby told the assembled group, adding, if he was a benevolent dictator, he would enact a rule that would make all transfers sit out one year. He said, there's a rule that treats different sports different ways. And we should have had a rule treat treated all the sports the same way. We would have been much better off if there was always a transfer residence requirement in all sports. Everyone sits out and gets acclimated and then have a chance to get a year back by graduating. Um, he then went on to say the problem is what's a good rule for some might not be a good rule for all. When you have 350 institutions in D1 that are all trying to do what's best for their institution. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to come up with a plan that is mutually impactful and favorable for everyone. What is a great rule for 100 schools is terrible rule for the other um, 250. So the, vi- so the viability of those kinds of ideas, it's a big change. But I think that's where change has to start. We have to think about it at a at its foundation and design something that works better than what we have. I get where he's coming from. Do you? But I don't think it works. And the reason why I say I get where he's coming from, yeah, because he's coming from an educational standpoint. Oh, okay. He okay. is coming because what he said was. They get a year. They get a year to get acclimated. I, I, but let's be honest. Yeah, emphasize the word. Yeah, 
Cardell, let's bring back Cardell Jones. We ain't Favorite here to quote. Play, we ain't here to play school, Dave. Yep. And that's the thing. Basketball, football, that's what we talk about mostly here. Like, he's talking about all sports. Yep. I feel like when it comes to the volleyball, the water polo, the badminton, like, mm-hmm. those sports, a lot of those athletes, you get the, hey, because there's not, like, a professional volleyball league, unless you're going to do, there like, is. sand volleyball or, like, play for the women's team and stuff. Play for I the feel, Olympics. For there, the there, Olympics. There, are, there are semi-pro volleyballs. I feel yeah. like a lot of those smaller sports, you mm-hmm. do have students that are like, hey, I'm active in my study. Not that football players and basketball players aren't. But let's be honest. Um, but most of them are there, too. Like basketball, I am here for my year yep. that I have to serve with you before I go to the league. Well, that's the upper one. No, that's the upper point, you yeah. know, 1% and of I mean, players. And that's what he's saying, where what's a good rule for some might not be a good rule for others. Yeah. I'm just on the mindset of, yeah, I get you want them to get acclimated mm-hmm. because obviously as a education standpoint you don't want students failing if they're not ready for college but the same thing i look at it and go let's give the power to the students they are 18 when they make this decision there are many students that when i worked as a college counselor Mm -hmm. i would blatantly and my employer probably wouldn't like this if i told them this now i would tell students if you're not ready to come to this four-year institution go to community college in two years we have transfer counselors Talk to them. After you go to community college, it's a little bit cheaper. Then you can transfer in. Same thing here. You're making this decision at 18, and just because I chose UNC as a freshman, mm-hmm. I'm, I'll go football because it's three years. Yeah. Why should I be punished and have to sit out a year because this wasn't a fit? Or let's say I came to UNC because I like this coach, and he gets fired. Now yeah. I want to move. Oh, I got to sit out because – the school fired my guy? Or the following year, you know, you're a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. The next year, you think you're coming in ready, and all of a sudden, they recruit another quarterback, to, and oh, they're oh, going to slide him right in front of you. Ohio State. Yeah, that I mean, that's, that's the thing is, you know, you are their prize of the year, mm-hmm. but the next year, there's a new prize. There's a yep. new hotness that they're going after. They're offering... Um, their scholarship to because that's the business. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You're balancing a business with the larger sports versus education with everybody who's not a 0.01% athlete. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing to have perspective on is, you know, we, we talk about football and basketball, and these are the upper, you know, upper percentages of, like, athletes. And, yeah. you know, there's only 500 people in, in the NBA, I think. That's 500, 600. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of kids who play, you know, D1 sports. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a foregone thing to say, and like— only 60 of them get drafted each year. Yeah. It's 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 insane. So I don't think you can base a rule around that. But at the same time, I feel like punishing players for trying to give themselves the best opportunity to succeed mm-hmm. is against what I would view college as. College yeah. is there to can like that's the problem. I guess it's what do you think college is? And mm-hmm. I I know we have both have very different perspectives. Like yeah. college is there to prepare you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it is to go through and get your associates, bachelor's, master's, doctorate, mm-hmm. whatever, and that's your career opportunity, or whether it's to go through and get you in the national spotlight so you can mm-hmm. get drafted in college or out of college to go play a professional sport, whether it's baseball, football, whatever that is. Yeah. Like, there's different opportunities to succeed, but college should be the platform that can get you to all of them, mm-hmm. and it should make rules that hold players back for trying to put themselves in the best position to succeed. Yeah, and I mean... 
I just, for me, I'm thinking football because yeah. like basketball's interesting because it's one year and let's be honest, in about a year or two that rule's not going to exist. Exactly. Um, they'll be able to come out well, from that, high school. But that's only if I can even like an even just one to four guys a year. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be the tiniest of percentages. True. But like we're talking about, let's say the, but I went Quentin to Belmont. Grimes. Yeah. Quentin he's, Grimes, we talked about a couple times recently. So that's mm-hmm. why I just, he's a great you know example of, he went and, to college at Kansas. The system didn't fit him. Mm-hmm. He had an underwhelming performance throughout the whole year. Yeah. Only a couple games where he really got to shine. And he's like, look, I need to go somewhere where I can be me. Mm-hmm. And he's going to transfer to Houston or he's going to transfer to AM and hopefully have another swing at mm-hmm. the NBA after this year. And I mean, I that's, just, isn't, that the, isn't that the goal? It is, and I mean the the term I don't like mm-hmm. that Babo used here is a uh, benevolent dictator. Probably not the right words to use, Bob. Well, no, um, he's saying like if he can sh- if he has a magic wand mm-hmm. and he can you know make the rules be whatever the, he wants. So as he's a trying dictator. to make dictator a good that's, thing. No, he's just saying like that's okay. if he was a dictator. Okay, he would make that a rule. Yeah, or he and would start there at least. I just for me. I look at it and go because I know there's hardship waivers. Like for example, there was oh I know Illinois had one on basketball where it was basically where this I can't remember who it was, but he he went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be closer to home, wanted to come to Illinois um, because his mother was sick, and he put in a hardship waiver of hey I don't think I should be able to sit out this year right. because the reason I'm transferring is to be closer to my mom. Yeah. In that case, the the uh, NCAA, NCAA was like, sure, all right, you can start right away or you can play right away. And I just – I feel like that's not the best – the system we have right now is not the best one. And I get the what's right for some is not right for others. Yeah. But is there a way where – like – I feel like the not right for some is basically the taking away this year out is the not good for the smaller school because it's like, hey, you know what? I know, like, I'm thinking football here because it's three years. Hey, mm-hmm. I know I'm not good enough to go to Kansas, but I don't really want to go to community college. So, you know what? I'm going to go to a smaller D1 school. I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to show that I can perform against D1 talent. Yep. And then try to transfer into San Diego that, State, basically into that uh, higher school. Like maybe go to San Diego, maybe like a San Jose State. San Jose play State, against yeah. them because San Diego State's more of their basketball program. That's why I, I was of. literally just thinking yeah. of. Um, well, I mean, Pumphrey came from San Diego State, so that works. Who um, who was the player who literally just went this year? Uh, he's second best player in college basketball. I um, literally can't think of his name. He McDaniels? was just drafted. No. Oh, you're talking about uh, Murray State with. Nope. Uh, Nope, nope, totally not. I'm talking about someone who's... I thought you said... Ba- didn't you say basketball? Second best player in college basketball. No, it wasn't John Rant. Uh, why can't I remember his name? I don't know. He I'm played blanking. next to Rui. He was Brandon Clark. Oh, yeah. Gonzaga. Brandon Clark. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was Literally thinking. the second best player in college mm-hmm. basketball. Um, He was someone who went through, San went to smaller school. Jose State, and then went yep. back up. The year off is going to hurt those small schools. Yeah. Because then those some of those... Kids might have to think, well, do I want to sit that year out? Um, But I just feel like it's beneficial for all because I just – I don't feel that it's right Mm -hmm. to take the power away from students who – I'm going to go back to it. You're 18. Think back to 18, Dave. Did you make the best choices at 18? I know I didn't. Um, And 
when you're picking college, it's a big decision, mm-hmm. and especially football, because I bring that back up because you're there for three years. I feel like it's wrong to say, hey, you can transfer, but you got to sit out. But, you know, you can put in a hardship waiver. And if we're feeling gracious mm-hmm. and if the reason is a good enough reason, then, yeah, we'll, we'll let you play right away. It's like, then why not make it to where they can all play right away? Yeah. Because um, that's how I feel it should be. And if I'm at the small, if I am a smaller school and I lose that guy, yeah, I might be losing a good uh, player. Mm-hmm. But guess what? There's more players that you can try to recruit to come in. I know that's probably an easy answer. And some people may say, well, Ricky, you're overlooking this one area of it where um, the rule just doesn't fit for every school. Yeah. But I'm on the side of just I want to give the players more power because the thing I think of, and I know this is a little different because it wasn't sports, but like when we were in college, I almost transferred away. I was at one school, almost transferred away um, to a different one. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I didn't was every single music course I took, they're like, well, you'd have to retake half of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck that. I already re- I already took these. I don't want to spend more money. I'll just tough out the last year yeah. that I have at the um, school that I'm at. Why can't these kids in sports have the same thing of like, if I'm going to transfer somewhere, I get to play right away and not have to lose a year yeah. of basically like even in basketball, like you lose a year and it's like, great. Like now I'm closer to my prime. Yeah. Like that's I'm, a like year you're ticking clock. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like Brandon Clark talks about when he had to basically red shirt that mm-hmm. one year from 2017 to 2018 um after leaving san jose state just before not, being able to play to not lose a year of eligibility yeah i mean that's it, it's rough because i mean you're just stuck there on the end of the bench basically mm-hmm. watching and you're not able to contribute to the team yes you can practice with them and all that but like you can't play so it's it's rough and that that definitely hurt his draft stock because had he only been had he been a full year younger mm-hmm. you know he wouldn't have been the old man of the draft basically coming yeah. out and he potentially would have been drafted much higher mm-hmm. so I don't know if he would have performed as well with another year of season without that full year of you know working on himself, but the mm-hmm. question's still there. Yeah. With football, I think it's a little different, but mm-hmm. still, I think you just at the end of the day, you can't apply the same rules to football, basketball, and baseball mm-hmm. as you do for the smaller sports, which are not uh, based around a major league system. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's well, it's baseball all about the income. Is so different because they actually you, have it to where you can come out of high school. Exactly, but it's just the whole idea of like college football is a money maker. College mm-hmm. basketball is a money maker. Yeah, not many sports in college are money makers. And the fact that we're trying to apply one flat rule mm-hmm. across sport multiple sports, it's just not right. Like yeah. you have to treat every sport individually, and they have to all have their own rules. You want to treat everything uh, fairly, mm-hmm. but maybe not e- like you have to treat them equal to some. Uh, I don't know, what am I trying to say? Fair fair and equal are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you have to treat them all fair. I don't think yeah. they all have to be treated equally because college football makes billions of dollars. Like mm-hmm. Texas college football is insane money. Yeah. That's what they roll in all the time. It's why the Longhorns have their own network. Exactly. But, you know, their their basketball team, smaller. Their mm-hmm. baseball team, smaller even than that. Their women's sports, smaller than that. Their soccer, smaller. And it's just mm-hmm. like... You can't apply the same rules across all of these. Where if you go to Kansas, it's flipped. The basketball team is huge. The yeah. football team, let's see if West Miles does anything, but that football team uh, hasn't really been good in a while. Yeah, I just think that I, I understand what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. I just disagree with it uh, on 
principle at this point because I don't think that you can treat everything the same way mm-hmm. because they're they're not treated the same way by the college. So why yeah. should you try to apply the same rules against them all? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it just comes back to also, I mean, you can then go into the different discussion of like it kind of has that same thing of paying the players I as agree. well where it's like most of these college athletes kind of feel like wow i'm not getting like i'm not getting paid it's basically forced labor yeah um that you have me at and if i have to sit out i'm a year older mm-hmm. and then what i'm risking another year of injury where i can yeah you risk that injury playing anyways but like that year younger you can come in, get acclimated right away, and play. Yep. And I just, I feel like also part of it, and if I'm looking business wise, part of it's a way to get the school to have money. Because like Brandon Clark, while he was sitting on that bench, mm-hmm. I mean, scholarship like those schools differently, but like a smaller yeah. school, let's say like, um, like. I know NAIA is not D1, but yeah. like, let's say they did it in NAIA. Well, NAIA doesn't have full rides for everyone. Mm-hmm. So if I have to sit out, I'm at this school where I'm paying tuition, and it's, what, I'm another year of racking up money to then pay in student loans? Mm-hmm. And that also goes into it for those smaller schools that might not have that player with a full ride or won't get a full ride from the school he's transferring Jimmy to. Jimmy Butler went to JUCO. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's another option out there. So it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it, it's just frustrating me at the end of the day. Yeah. And so. I mean, it, I don't think this gets fixed. Um, I like the transfer portal. I think that's a good. It's cleaner. It's a lot cleaner and it's yeah. a lot easier for them to, hey, enter the portal and then you can talk They've to schools. They've got a very smooth, smooth process instead of the games that they had to jump through the mm-hmm. hoops and everything. So. I, I enjoy the direction they're what going. A, what about those games where it's like, oh, you're transferring from Alabama, you can't go to an SEC school, but then you can't go to this school in the Big Ten because they're one of our rivals, and it's like, great, where yeah. can I go? You have to sit out a full year if you're going to mm-hmm. play for any of these, but yeah. we'll allow you to go here only on Wednesday. Like It's yeah. just like, come on. <laughs> only, on only on a Wednesday after 5 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. Don't miss it by 15 college, minutes like Dave missed his coffee run. College, yeah. <laughs> cost me, cost me a buck 30. Um College sports, mm-hmm. like seriously, the NCAA is such a big racket and mm-hmm. they need to get serious about it because I feel like players are talking more and more about how they're being taken advantage of and not being treated fairly mm-hmm. across the board. And I think at some point there's going to be a breaking point. And I don't know whether it's going to be a, a player strike, whether it's going to be um, just enough attention gets to it where people who run the NCAA have been replaced and we have some mm-hmm. fresh minds in there who are willing to make changes because uh, we're starting to slowly go in the right direction, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's quick enough. Or do we see other alternatives? Like I know in basketball, we talked about. Well, you can go play for the G League. You can go play internationally. Yeah. Like, um, what if? I know the AAF was a failed failure. experiment. Um, I know the XFL is the only thing I don't like about it is it seems like their players are going to get paid dirt cheap, and it looks incredibly um, dangerous. Exactly. Again, um, I just I wonder: Are there any of those we see? Maybe side leagues pop up towards like, hey, don't want to go to college? Come here, get paid. But the, It would be interesting. But the thing we see from that is you need investors, and those investors want fucking um, return on their investments. Yeah, I mean, and when you can't even prop up the WNBA with the NBA's backing, mm-hmm. you really wonder, like, where's the money going to come from? Mm-hmm. 
And that's the biggest thing. If, like you said, the investors want their return, and if it doesn't look like it's going to be profitable early, it's going to be really hard to convince someone. Pony up the first 10 years of this league, and then by year 11, you might be profitable. That's mm-hmm. a long time to sit on money. Especially if that person's like 60. It's like, great. So I won't see it till I'm 71. You, I could be dead. And that's the thing is you can make so much more money in a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. It's got to come from like a place of passion or a place yeah. of love. And that's the hardest thing when it comes to finding those investors. So mm-hmm. I just, it, it's it's a tough question. I don't know if there's a the right answer right now, but they, they need to work harder on working towards a better answer. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what your guys' thoughts are on this. Do you think that, no, it should all be this way, it should all be that way? Well, is there a compromise where it's some of the time this way, some of the time that way? Um, Let us know what you guys are thinking down below. And if you're a student athlete listening to this, I want to hear your experience. Like, have you been in a situation where you tried to transfer, whether you're D1, D2, D3, NAIA, anything? Let us know what you guys think down below. Like the fucking, I know this isn't a transfer thing, <laughs> yeah. um, but it just popped into my head. Like that player from Central Florida, where he had a YouTube channel, was monetizing oh, yeah. his videos, yep. He's a had kicker. to get rid of his right? channel. Yeah. yeah, had to get rid of his channel because he couldn't make money as a player. Yep. But Austin College could do this. And make money, and no one cared yep. because we weren't a we weren't an athlete, so mm-hmm. it didn't matter um, to us. It's just we hold these athletes to certain uh, standards that we don't hold everyone else to, and it's asinine um, in many situations. But let us know what you guys think down below. Also, check out. The, I'm going to do it again, Dave. Smash that link down below in the description to check out Patreon.com. I just can't even say it with a straight face. Bronze, silver, gold, we got different tiers for you guys to help support us. Um, Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, and then make sure to follow us on twitch.tv backslash most of podcasts, and sub to us if you have that Amazon Prime. Want to thank Dave for joining me for this edition. Want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.